You dare to come here! I will give anything to undo this. <laughs> it's you who should be dead. I would. She was supposed to marry Ned, then you came. And now Ned will be court-martialed and we have nothing. You will have whatever you need, I swear, anything. Can you bring Bess back? She was my only child. May you rot in hell! Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we examine the wild, the weird, the wonderful Highlander franchise. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Welcome to this week's episode. Before we jump into episode number 10, Epitaph for Tommy, we just wanted to talk a little bit about some reader mail we've gotten. Uh, in one of our previous episodes, actually in the Zone episode, we asked the question, what the fuck happened in the Zone? <laughs> uh, so we've gotten a couple of good responses. Dominic S. writes, hey guys, so you asked about what the fuck is going on in the Zone, so I figured it's about time for another long email on the case. <laughs> uh, it's only fair since people because of you guys, I spent another two hours with the zone while rewatching, Yikes. taking notes, listening to you, and writing this. Nice. Uh, I appreciate the, de- the dedication, Dominic. That's awesome. Now you know our pain. <laughs> yes. Uh, so he writes, What the fuck? I don't know. But even though this is one of my least favorite episodes by far, I found a few things to mention that wasn't covered in the podcast. Ooh, new territory. One. <laughs> They're numbered. (laughs) One, I agree it's always hard to confront Duncan with a mortal villain. Even more so if that one has no agenda at all. None. None. Uh, But somewhere in that episode, there's a plot hiding so we can't see him. Come on. It's basically one bad guy in horrible suits with two thugs helping him out. Not too hard to fight. Where is the suspense? Where is the tension? I just wish they'd use some more hands to fight the poor crowd and the immortal hero number two you were already talking about highlander reusing themes and motifs from popular movies for some reason this reminds me a bit of fist with sly stallone a stallone zone if you like <laughs> yes I, I do like the stallone zone um three who killed the watcher in the teaser wasn't mr bad suit wasn't one of his thugs the zone people were depicted as villains 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 Villums. Villum Defoe. (laughs) The zone people were depicted as victims, so I have a hard time believing it was one of them. Either way, the case was never closed. Yet another bummer on this episode. Yeah. Number four. I'm shocked you didn't talk about the biggest and most obvious bridging error in the whole show. Duncan went into the zone wearing a blue shirt. After they left the clinic, they had another walk and talk scene where he wears a white shirt and a vest. Then he changes back into a blue shirt, (laughs) only to come back with a white shirt and vest combo. Since the one wrong scene was also useless, they could have dropped that completely. Or if needed, for running time of the episode, they could have just put Duncan into the second visit in the zone. Nobody would have noticed the change in order. That one depressed me so hard. (laughs) (laughs) You could have done anything in this episode and no one would have noticed. And finally, number five, the German title. Uh, I love when we get into this. Is Die Armee der Verlusen. Translates, this means army of defenselessness <laughs> wow and he says doesn't make it any better <laughs> that's the wow. uh the fourth sequel to the e- to the evil dead movies after army of darkness yeah, yeah. and army then he has some positive things yeah. <laughs> uh he says has a couple positive things to say there are a few things i kind of like about the zone after all charlie and mac have a few good moments including the last scene in the episode anyway hope you like the comments and if not sue me <laughs> cheers dominic thank you very much dominic for that's that. very good and also Adrian Paul, the man himself, wrote about The Zone in one of his issues of his fan magazine, Peace. Uh, and this comes from November 1996. And he was asked, if you could reshoot which episodes, which would you like to reshoot? And he says, The Zone and Bless the Child were two shows that were done in six days. They were shot quickly, put together quickly, and gave us no chance as actors to explore the story of each episode. I think The Zone was poorly shot, and unfortunately, the lead actor was voiced over entirely because his performance was deemed non-threatening. Wow. Wait, so that's not Kanan's voice? I didn't realize that, honestly. Ooh, maybe your Wolverine theory still holds true. Because that sounded so much. It did. 
like we should look into this a little further. I actually thought the same thing, but I forgot about it yeah. until you mentioned it on the episode. Wow. The lead character in any episode is only as strong as his opponent, and much like a tennis match, you play better against a good opponent. The choices that were made in this case were not strong ones. <laughs> Interesting. Thank you, Adrian Paul, for the insight into the zone. But now, to move forward. Episode 10, season 2. Epitaph, Epitaph for Tommy! For the zone. Epitaph. <laughs> Epitaph for Tommy was originally aired Monday, November 29th, 1993. This episode was directed by Clay Barris. Speaking of shot poorly, he's <sighs> back. This guy directed the zone. <laughs> Although I think, this, I think this episode is shot perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. The shootings. Yeah, yeah. Nothing against no, Clay. He also did, uh, what, what was the episode we watched? Uh, Revenge of the Sword was also mm. Clay Boris. This was written by Philip John Taylor. Uh, we have not seen him since like season one. He did Freefall, uh, Tomorrow We Die, and The Lady and the Tiger. So I, I don't know. We'll get, we'll get into this a little later, but this episode feels very season one to me uh, yeah. for a couple reasons. More than a couple. <laughs> this Who's episode the writer again? Uh, Philip John Taylor. Philip Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Yep. Perfect. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> this episode has some guest stars. It Roddy does. Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes. Uh, so Hell comes to Seacouver. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he started in a 80s movie called Hell Comes to Frogtown. Mm-hmm. Kyle, you want to tell us about the plot of that movie? Uh, it's a weird acid trip where everyone is impotent in the future except for... or shoots blanks. Roddy Roddy Piper is the only one with sperm that works. Because we had a... The, nuclear the, the, war. Nuclear war with Russia. That also generated a bunch of giant anthropomorphic frog creatures, and everyone just wants to bang Roddy Roddy Piper. And so the government takes control of his wiener, and this <laughs> like, is not a joke. That's no, they a literally, joke. they put a contraption on it. Like a mon- shock collar. Yeah. <laughs> and they force him to go date rape people. Yikes. Yeah, this is not a porn. No. <laughs> His name in that movie is like John Hell or something. It's Samuel, Samuel Hell. Sam so like, Hell. what is the oh, Sam, Sam Hell that's going wow. on? Uh, yikes. Hey, anyway. boy. But he is in this as the villainous Galen. Yes. Yep. Uh, and he is a, he's a pro wrestler. Was a mm-hmm. pro wrestler. We have lost the late, great Roddy Piper last yeah. year. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he was also in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which also guest starred a lot of wrestlers because of the person who played Mario, which was Captain Lou Albano. Lou Albano. Also passed. Yes, so but he does appear as himself, and wow. Lou Albano, Mario, makes his bagpipes into a vacuum cleaner by mistake. Yes. <laughs> by, by mistake. <laughs> well, or, I, no, Luigi does it. He doesn't realize that they're Rowdy Roddy's bagpipes. Ah. <laughs> he just thought there were some random bagpipes and he could make a vacuum cleaner out of them. Uh, so this episode also guest stars Andrea Roth as Suzanne Honiger. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in the show Rescue Me on FX. She was mm-hmm. in, I think, a ton of those episodes. Uh, but she also did some Forever Night, Rin Tin Tin, K-9 Cop. Mm-hmm. Um, it also stars Jen Darcy as Betty Bannon. Uh, this is uh, Tommy's mother. But she she actually is not in much, but you might know her as Miss Horn from Twin Peaks. Eh, and she's going to be back in the new one, which I'm very sad to see. Hey, Kyle, is there a secret about Rin Tin Tin, K-9 Cop? No, it's actually no secret how that dog fights crime. <laughs> it's, it's no secret at all. Okay, good. <laughs> and then finally, in a really small bit part, is Bill Dow as Harry. He's the guy in the uh, like the frog looking man in the newspaper oh, <laughs> office. Yeah. That uh, guy, yeah. He's but he's in a ton everything. of stuff. Um, but I remember him um, from Stargate SG One. He's the scientist Harry or whatever his name is. Yeah. he's always like he's their gadget. He's like their Q. Q. Yeah, I so. actually remember him from The Hobbit. Oh, Bill Dow Baggins. Interesting. <laughs> Bill Dow Baggins. He's in a ton of nice. stuff. So <laughs> as soon as I saw him on the screen, I was like, this guy. Ready for the IMDb episode description on this yes. one? Yes. It's, an- it. it's another uh, corker tome. Oh. A mortal Anthony Galen attacks Duncan in a deserted amusement park. Losing, he tries to escape and hits mortal Tommy Barton with his car, killing him. That's not quite what happens False. at all. Yeah. Not true. <laughs> Duncan, <laughs> Duncan feel, feels guilty over Tommy's death and tries to console his mother. In flashback, the fiancé of Duncan's current bed partner, hey partner, I suppose. Current uh, bed partner? Challenges him to a duel, but accidentally stabs the girl instead. Tommy's mother asks Duncan if Tommy's death was really an accident, telling him that Tommy was an investigative reporter and he had been scared of something. Duncan decides to find the connection between Tommy and Galen. That's it. All right. Wow. So they completely excise the plot thread of the Honigers in that description. <laughs> the Hornburgers. The Hornburgers. <laughs> also, Hornburgers. <laughs> oh, this is my bed partner. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> Can we just start calling all of them his bed partner? Bed partner? Yeah. yeah. So this is bed partner Amanda. Yeah. This is my bed 
partner, Tessa Noel. The one thing about that episode description that was accurate is that we do open on some kind of bizarre amusement park. Is Seacouver like Gotham City where they're just <laughs> abandoned theme parks and candy factories and toy shops all over the place? Yep. Here's the abandoned chemical plant right yeah. next to the abandoned amusement park. So this episode, Duncan is running through He's going jogging. for a jog in this abandoned amusement park. It's like a thing that is becoming, like, this is the first time I think we see it, but it comes up in three more episodes coming mm-hmm. up that he takes a drive somewhere to go jogging. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't just go jogging. It's like a road trip. It's a whole event. So he's like, oh, let me drive to that abandoned amusement park so I can go for a run. So while he's running, he gets the buzz while mm-hmm. running through the park, and out of nowhere... Roddy Piper is there, and he attacks. So there's a sword fight right away. I guess, luckily, Duncan has his sword in the backseat of his convertible. Yeah. Like, which is open. Which is open. Like, (laughs) like the way he grabs it, like, the sword is just open on the backseat. It's just sitting there, (laughs) and he just reaches in and grabs it, which I think is pretty good. So, Uh, like, as he's driving around, are his seats all cut up because the sword's, like, (laughs) rolling around in the backseat? So this is kind of a fun fight, I think. They actually, they fight on the roller coaster track. Yeah, this is cool. And, like, they go up the, the incline, which is pretty neat. Then a, a, a red sports car drives up, mm-hmm. and I guess when Roddy sees this, he's like, I'm out. And so he jumps off the roller coaster. He, like, jumps off the side. It's pretty yeah, it's cool. It's a huge yeah. jump. Yeah. This fight scene was actually pretty cool. No, I'm, was yeah. really this is a great opening and, to the, the episode. I like that it gets, like, right into it, and this, this momentum is quickly stopped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... Roddy gets into his car and drives away, but hits this guy yeah. on his way out. He's like this businessman-looking guy. And he's got a briefcase. With really puffy hair. Yeah. 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 So, like, my first note was, he looks like Dan Aykroyd. But then my next note was just, no, actually, he looks like the guy who gets electroshock therapy from Bill Murray in Ghostbusters. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know he was going to be getting yeah. electric shocks. <laughs> that guy. That guy. That's a good call. So, he gets hit with the car. The briefcase goes flying mm-hmm. uh, onto the coaster tracks. This this isn't a future plot point. Not at nope. all. <laughs> uh, guys, it actually is. So then Duncan comes <laughs> over. Duncan comes over, gives this guy CPR. Like, revives him he revi- temporarily. Yeah, he, he's revived so for like confused. a second. He's like, yeah. oh, and it's like, oh, the guy's alive. And then he just goes, Ugh, and he just dies. So I was like, I don't know if that's how that works. It happened so quickly that I was confused. Yes. Like, I don't think I real. I thought he just came back. I didn't think him, like, falling back was him dying. I yeah. had that in my notes, too. I was like, is he dead or just did he pass out or something i just assumed he was alive so then all of a sudden they were at a funeral i was like what the f- <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if like certain writers are doing this on purpose and again we, we talked about this in a previous episode that the show has like cold opens eventually mm-hmm. like before the credits this feels like a great cold open we are thrown into some action you i could totally see after this scene being done the credits rolling and then the story progresses. Yeah, and you're like, oh, what happened to that guy? Mm. Oh, he's We're going to find out. The episode will tell us. Mm. So Richie's making coffee. Making coffee. I love coffee. Give me some coffee. <laughs> coffee. Oh, I hate this coffee, coffee. machine. I oh, spilled coffee all over the place. So this <laughs> must be like their morning ritual, like... Duncan is making br- Richie like full on breakfast, and I'm like, I'm loving all of this. <laughs> well, I like that this time Richie made the coffee because Duncan can't do it. <laughs> yeah, is, is that the thing? Like, is that that's what is I that that's what I imagined? Power? Yeah. If anyone gets Richie's quickening, are they the first immortal, the second immortal to be able to use a coffee maker? They immediately go get a job at Starbucks. <laughs> I can do this now. Duncan is telling him, I guess, what happened that morning. I'm assuming it's the same morning. Richie thinks like, oh, that guy's you know wrong place. Wrong time. Yeah, Tommy Bannon is his name, and he's dead. Yeah, I kept thinking of, like, Bruce Banner, or, like, I don't know. Every time they said Bannon, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking of superhero stuff. Mm, Race me. Bannon from Johnny Quest. Oh, maybe that's it. Bum, bum, anyway. So Mac is basically alone at a funeral. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sad. Like, I was like, nobody came to this guy's funeral? Also, like, the mom's late to the funeral? Like, <laughs> What's that about? Yeah. Like, was the funeral over? What was going on? Like, what is the actual situation? There was no priest. Nope. There's just a. I agree. There's a grave. <laughs> yeah, there's a grave and like one wreath. Yeah, and then she comes. And, and she's like, "Oh, thank you for coming to Tommy's funeral." <laughs> Why is she Irish or whatever she is? I don't know. Like this is a well, weird she's Irish. Scottish. She's, yeah. she's Scottish. Yeah. Right. And like his name's Galen. There's like this Celtic theme that's sort of maybe kind of in this episode, but not really. Mm. That's true. Uh, yeah. The whole time I was like, what, what's this going to be? Yeah, it doesn't get explored. Like all it is is later used as a device. Like she wants to go back to the Highlands and needs money. Yeah. yeah. So they, they just needed her to need money for something. They didn't mm-hmm. even need that, though. That's no. unimportant. Nope. Yep. I'm like a dog fighting crime. This one is a secret. Yeah. <laughs> 
So she thanks Mac for saving yeah, Tommy. And then trying. we get a flashback to a literal roll in the hay. That's <laughs> right. It's pretty amazing. They're like doing it. Mac is doing it with somebody. Like fully under hay, though. Like, yeah, like this completely. Is not, like, they are buried <laughs> yeah. under hay. <laughs> that can't feel good, right? No. <laughs> no, it's going to be really scratchy. <laughs> yeah. They just get up and they're just all itchy. Yeah. That hay gets in some weird places. <laughs> yep. Which places? I don't understand. I don't yeah, either. I don't either. This is also a secret to me, unlike Rin Tin Tin. Where does the hay go? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> as this literal roll in the hay is going on, so her this girl's fiancé... Ned. Ned rolls up to the party. Yeah, and he's like, hey, hey. <laughs> it's like, give me satisfaction. Yeah. And Mac's like, no, I already, I, I'm good. <laughs> I've already got it. Yep. Uh, so it turns out that Ned is her fiance. And right. Mac did not know about this. So mm-hmm. She's been fooling around on the side, presumably for a while, it seems, yeah. with Mac. So Ned challenges him to a duel. And he's in some kind of uniform. Right. They're in, uh, according to the Watch Chronicles, they're in Annapolis. Mm. He's at the Academy, Academy right? Yeah. Okay. So this whole scene, I think, is really funny. Yeah. Just the, the comedy, I think, works pretty well. Duncan fighting this guy is great. He's like, oh, oh. Whoops, he's like always kind of tripping around yeah. and like him fighting this guy is no big deal and it's played for laughs and it's pretty great until the scene takes a really dramatic mood dark shift turn. dark yeah. turn uh, and ned accidentally stabs uh what's her name bess, bess. yep mm. or bess i don't know for some reason in my notes all i can think is like bess is a name for a cow not a human being <laughs> <laughs> but no she's... sorry to any of our listeners that are named, named bess. bess sorry <laughs> all right sorry <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i it's an, it's a thing that cows are named bessie yeah or best, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. make that up. No, right. you didn't. I think like this is the first time I've ever seen a human referred to as best. No, Porgy. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Porgy and best. Shit. Is that Miles Davis? Nope. Nope. No. <laughs> George Gershwin. Gershwin. No. Didn't Miles Davis did a version of it though? This is true. Okay. There's a lot of renditions by various jazz people. Jazz. Jazz. Uh, I guess they paint Ned kind of as a real asshole here because he doesn't even go to like be with Bess. She gets stabbed and Mac is the one. Yeah. They're like, oh no, I don't want to lose you. And it's not Ned. I guess we're fairly unsympathetic to Ned, but I don't know. Also, his voice is really silly. It's like <laughs> ADR, definitely. Give me satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> Ned Stark here. <laughs> so later we're at the funeral, and Ned is at the funeral in like shackles. He's yeah. been court martialed. Which, why is he there? Good that question. Made, it's like, yeah. If you're going to bring him, you don't even at least want him to wear a suit or something. Yeah. You like bring him up in a dirty t-shirt. Yeah. And yeah. Like, it's like, okay, funeral's done. We're pulling you away dramatically from the action. Yeah, and Mac is also there, which is... Also strange. Also oh. a little strange. I would not be comfortable going to the funeral at all. Not a classy move, Mac. No. I guess I can imagine that Ned would be court-martialed for this. But for literally killing a person. But but I, I I do maybe have a hard time believing that he would be in shackles. Like Ned is not a criminal. This was like Except ne- for the part where he killed somebody well, while attempting to kill yet. Well, I guess okay. Person. So I guess dueling would be the illegal thing. But I'm saying like this is this is manslaughter, right? Like this is neglectful on his part, right? I like mean, he like he's not some killer that's out there. By all intents and purposes, he's like a stand up guy. Maybe I mean it, it depends on what state you're in. So for example, there's like things like transferred intent. If I intend to shoot Amon, but I accidentally shoot you, I've still murdered you, despite the fact that I right. wished you no harm and had no intent to hurt you. Mm. I intended to do a thing and like I fucked up. Right. But a lot of places that would still. Transferred intent and still be murder. Also, kind of like a third degree kind of murder when you show just reckless indifference for the mm. value of human life, such as by dueling next to a vulnerable person who's trying to intercede. There we go. In any That's case. the law so talk on plenty, this. All right, there all right. are plenty of ways that <laughs> he could have been convicted of murder. And at the bare minimum, it's got to be who even knows what military regulations would have existed right. at the time because he's being tried by a military court, apparently. Yes. So, Bess's mother is none too happy that Duncan is there. And this is the clip we heard at the top of the episode. And so she blames Duncan for all of this. She has a very emotional moment of exposition. I just have, <laughs> she's exposition mom. She's my only daughter. And Ned is, a, <laughs> and Ned is being course marshaled. And now we have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> slap, slap, slap. Yep. Also, I don't like you. <laughs> Duncan's. Can you bring Bess back? <laughs> so we cut back to the present. No more Tommy Bannon. We're just with Mommy Bannon. Right. <laughs> so we find out some more stuff about Tommy. We find out that he was an investigative reporter, right? Mm-hmm. And last time she saw him, we find out that... He was I, working on a dangerous case. Yeah, that he, he might have been fearful of his life or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like, ooh, maybe there's more to this than an accidental death. That's uh, when the Hornburgers show up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so the Honigers drive up in a limo, and these people own, it turns out, the newspaper. They own six newspapers or three yeah. newspapers. They're like, like the Murdoch group or something. Yeah, <laughs> and like TV networks. Right. So they show As up. As Richie Ryan later. Yeah. yeah. Richie Ryan <laughs> knows all this for us. <laughs> Richie's really up on the Honigers for some reason. <laughs> He's like up on his media mogul. Yeah. That's like his jam. The Honigers show up late to this funeral, give the mom another wreath, and then they're like, all right, we got to go. Yeah, we got a meeting. See <laughs> and, ya. And they're apparently romantically involved, and she shows up late and she's like okay we got to go to this board meeting i'll call you and then they drive away and the mom's like he's not gonna call (laughs) (laughs) uh so then roddy piper pulls up and it's very ominous and he just says it's like a good thing we're on uh, holy ground mcleod and then drives away and it's like there's really no threat we don't get to learn anything more we do oh that he's just involved we know he's connected to by assumption immediately was that he's connected to the hanagers i guess so why We're connected he... to Tommy. Well, I guess that, yeah, I don't know. It makes it more than clear that it's not an accident, the fact that he shows up to this thing. Mm, so right. I think we do learn something. I we guess don't so. know exactly what yet, but there's information contained in his presence. But then Mommy, <laughs> Mommy Bannon's Mommy like, Bannon. like we, us Highlanders have to stick together. <laughs> yeah, so she's been hankering to go back to the Highlands, right. but has not been able to afford it. Hey, listeners, time is running out. Do you want to have a once-in-a-lifetime sword experience with the man, the Highlander himself, Adrian Paul? Make sure to head over to theswordexperience.com for all the dates and deets on upcoming sword experiences. There is a sword experience coming up next week on June 24th at the Music Hall in Stuttgart. So make sure to head to theswordexperience.com for all the dates and deets on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Now we're actually back and Duncan's like cooking some big meal for he and Richie. He's like cutting up this big hunk of bread. <laughs> yeah. Past life, Mac was a line cook. Yeah. <laughs> they discuss this Honiger connection and both Mac and Richie decide they're going to do some investigating. Mac is going to visit them. And so is Richie. Richie's going to do some snooping around at the newspaper office. I actually thought this. I got distracted by all the food stuff. Like Richie has a cup <laughs> of a coffee, of m- yeah, and Max there. pouring them like cups of orange juice. There's like sixty glasses on the table. Like they're <laughs> drinking like water, orange juice, mimosas, <laughs> like Bloody Marys. And they're eating eggs too. They are eating mm, eggs. Very appetizing. The the music in this episode is very like horror movie. Like it sounds like uh, like the Mike Myers theme. But planet, planet, but planet, planet. No, that's Austin Powers theme. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Myers. (laughs) Yeah, baby. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you meant, right? That's what it sounds like. That's what I meant, yeah. Do I make you horny, baby? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we're... Let's have a roll in the hay, my bed partner. (laughs) (laughs) Do I make you horny, bed partner? (laughs) (laughs) Very good. So we cut uh, to uh, the Honiger's office. Duncan shows up and he demands to see Mr. Honiger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of like great power suits in this. Like, yeah. The secretary has got like, she looks like a bumblebee. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> With like very broad. She's critical of the environment. If she stings you, she'll die. <laughs> uh, so he eventually barges into the office and the chair spins around. And it's not Mr. Honiger. It's Suzanne. It's Suzanne. Or Suzanne. Suzanne, I think. Suzanne. Oh, Suzanne. Oh, Suzanne. Uh, Suzanne, get your gun. And she's like, surprised to see me? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a woman. Mac is apparently surprised. Yeah. He's like, well, I saw somebody leave this office looking very upset. She's like, I fired him. Yeah. She's like the vice president of the company, and she's only 25. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. So uh, we find out that I guess she doesn't know what Tommy was working on. Duncan asks about what's up. And she's like, well, why don't you come by our house later? My dad will probably know. Yeah. So she gives him a business card with her home address on yeah. it, which is good. <laughs> and so then we're in the newsroom, and Richie is this. Eamon, talk to us about this scene. <sighs> oh, this, boy. This scene is insane. Like, the two reporters are, like, really jokey. And they're like, oh, yeah, Tommy Bannon. Yeah, I heard about him. Uh, sure. <laughs> like, they're just going back Shrunk and forth. Shrunk stumpy leg, right? Yeah. <laughs> nope. They're just, like, riffing. <laughs> yeah. This guy. Are they supposed to be diming him out for a reason? Like, the guy picks up the phone immediately after. Is he supposed to be like hey somebody's looking for tommy is that the implication i, don't know. I didn't think so or like because they claim to know this guy and like make up a whole story like as a cover essentially well they seem like they're like regular like beat reporters no I I, s- they, they kind of rag on him like oh those investigative types like they keep to themselves they seem to think he's like a weirdo 
Well, I thought it was just like they don't know he's talking about him and they're just messing with Richie. Because then... Richie immediately goes, like, they have no idea who this guy yeah. is. Like, yeah. Who knows? So cool scene episode. <laughs> yeah. It's like. <laughs> well, I think we are supposed to walk away from this. The thing we actually learned is that he is not a reporter. Correct. That is false. Right. That right. was a cover. Right. The thing that I don't understand is, like, why the scene was so complicated. Yeah. Like, I was honestly expecting it to be a cover-up, and that was, like, the idea. Like, these guys knew, like, hey, if anyone comes around, look for Tommy Bannon. He's well, I an think investigative it, guy. I think it's supposed to be funny, but it isn't. It's not funny. <laughs> nope. Nope. Nope, not really. <laughs> but Richie goes to the worst HR department in history and manages to collect a dead guy's check. Yep. Yeah. Just because he said he sent me to pick it up. Yeah. yeah, I'm his friend and he's sick. Can I have his check? I'm Jordan Richards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm Jordan Richards. So we find out that, I guess, back in the loft, Richie's telling Mac all about this info. He gets his paycheck, which I guess he's he's making a, a decent amount of money uh, as a reporter. He's getting a $2,000 check, which I did the math on this. He's making $41 an hour, presuming this is a biweekly check. Mm. If not, he's making $82 an hour. I think it's more shocking if he's making the other one. Yeah. He's making... 40 bucks. I can see that. That's in 2016 money. 41, 2016. But that's still only like $86,000 a year. Yeah. If somebody said like, I'm an investigative journalist. I made $86,000 a year. I don't know that I would question that necessarily. That seems to make sense. I I certainly wouldn't go like, what's going on here? (laughs) They were like, yeah, I make like two bills right <laughs> a year i'd be like oh we must be some hell of a journalist did you yeah. break watergate like what's <laughs> happening here well so, rich- i don't know what this note is but i just have a note that says really long shot of mac opening jars <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm assuming it's from back during that breakfast scene but oh yeah like, it's like a hanging it ends and notes. he's just opening a jar <laughs> like he opens it like you see the whole process of him picking the jar up opening it and then starting to jelly his bread yeah. <laughs> did you ever have to take like an acting class ever or like a acting, acting, acting. I took one in college. I did not. I, I also took one in college. It was like I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I Temple had an arts requirement. You had to do one arts class. I did this like intro to acting class. Huh. And there's this really horrible, terrible exercise that everyone has to do. But like apparently, anyone who's ever taken an acting class has to do. It's called like a basic object exercise. And the entire thing is just you're supposed to go about your day. You set up a little scene and, like, you need to, like, bring in props and stuff. And you just try to, like, accomplish some discrete task. Hmm. Like, opening a jar and making a sandwich. You kind of just have to pretend to do it. And that's the entire thing. And it's like, that's what this feels like. Yeah. It just feels like this one ongoing, like, little exercise of, like... Now I must open this jar and make it look natural. Now I must make these eggs and make it look natural. <laughs> Duncan is, I guess, lacing up his shoes. He's ready to head out to the Honigers. Mm-hmm. And I guess Richie wants a piece of the action, yeah. which is pretty good. Because uh, he's like, oh, like that means uh, you know, Suzanne's going to be there. He's like, hey, and he's like, he's like stalking. Like, he's like, I saw a picture of her. Yeah. He's like, and he's like, she's, she's 25. And then Max's like, and she's incredibly beautiful. Like, <laughs> Richie's like, well, why don't you talk to Mr. Honiger? I'll talk to Suzanne. This will be work out for everybody right i don't know it's richie kind of creeping around again i think and then mac also gets really creepy yeah makes me feel young yeah Yeah. and it's like oh really the fiance that died in your arms you're like thinking about smooching his uh yeah (laughs) i actually wasn't sure if she really was his fiance like in the in the cemetery talk i feel like the mother just said something like tommy loved her like i didn't know if they were really a thing or if it was like tommy had a thing for her well i feel like they had some type of relationship about it. <laughs> well, because the mom, the mom's like, oh, she won't call. So right. I feel like, yeah, she makes, must know. Yeah. So Duncan goes to the Honiger's mansion. He pulls up, he gets the buzz, and a half hour later, he makes it to the door. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, the reveal that Galen is there is forever. It takes forever. And like, they don't buzz him in for yeah. a really weird. I was like, what is happening right now? This this must be a fairly famous, I said Seacouver house, uh, probably, uh, Vancouver house. Like, I know I've seen this big house before, and I feel like I saw it last season on The Flash. Huh. Anyone confirming that? I feel like Dr. Zoom, Professor Zoom, I think this is his house. The reverse Flash? Mm. Mm. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> you Bart Thawne. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, goodness. It's that, it's that Thawne song. <laughs> that Thawne, the Thawne, Thawne, Thawne. Like when the flash go. <laughs> anyway, real estate rewatch, guys. Speed force like a truck. <laughs> so Duncan goes inside, gets a little tour, gets shown some art by Balda. Balda? Although we we later find out he is certainly not a real yeah. artist. But when it was happening, I was like Googling this person. Yeah. I'm like, who is this? And nothing was turning up. 
<laughs> so they have this weird sparring over this antique that apparently is not worth as much as Mr. Honiger thinks it is. Honiger has somehow acquired a bunch of police files about Mac and knows that he travels to a lot of places and is a, in a bunch of unsolved police files. Yeah, so he's suspicious and he's so like, why are you interested in this whole thing? And this this callback is interesting to the police stuff, which has largely been dropped yeah. in this season. And as we'll later find out in this episode is that Mr. Honiger thinks someone is after him yeah. to kill him. So he thinks this could be Duncan. Right. right. And that's why he's been snooping around. To weird side note, Mac still is presented as an antiques dealer. So I don't know if that's, we're supposed to assume he's still dealing it, slinging antiques on the side. Yeah, at this point, does or, Mac give him uh, his business card or something? Well, he gives... Touche. Nicely done, Mr. McCloud. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's yeah. Suzanne. Mac gives Mommy Bannon his business card. That's it. And yeah. I was kind of wondering. I was like, "What's that business card say?" Duncan McLeod, dude, dude. <laughs> handsome man. <laughs> I love this interaction that Mac and Mister Honiger have. Exactly what kind of antique dealer are you, McLeod? You should know that. You checked me out, didn't you? <laughs> man, in my position, be too careful. And what position is that? On top. <laughs> Doggy style. <laughs> I love that. You should know that. You check me out. <laughs> oh man, that is that was good. that is good. I love pulling these quotes out of context. It's the best. <laughs> It'll come. On. It'll come <laughs> on top. <laughs> so they don't really know what's up. Nope. Either at this point, Suzanne comes in. I guess. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, Daddy, don't worry about whatever or something." I don't know. Uh, she comes in, she's there, and she's like, oh, Tommy kept notes at home, like a normal person. Like, Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like that's the clue. It's like, maybe you should check out where he lives. But then they're like, yeah, just go go check out in his apartment. And they tell yeah. him, where, it's like, wait, are you just suggesting to break into his apartment if you want to know more? I don't know, it's weird. Like, the suggestion is like... Yeah, and he didn't need the suggestion. No. But I guess no. Mommy Bannon could let him in. Yeah, sure. that's true. I guess he just needed to know where he lived. Which he could have found out even easier from the mom. Right. Yeah. So he goes to the apartment, apartment and he gets attacked by a goon. Yep. By the same. This is Honiger's bodyguard. So Mac does the ultimate Batman thing and hangs him out a window. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Careful. You might chip a tooth <laughs> if uh, I drop you to your death. Right. Uh, I love the way this is shot, too. Like it starts off like right side up and then the camera kind of spins around. It mm -hmm. looks really cool. Nice bit by Mr. Clay Boris. So Honiger hired this guy because he thought Mac, as we said, was going after Honiger. And uh, he has an extensive police record. So I guess they kind of patch things up. The end of the scene is really funny. That's all improvised. Oh, like, pick me up. He's like, say please. And he's like, please. He's like, pretty please. <laughs> <laughs> Mac is getting kind of a per perverse joy out, out of hanging this man outside a window. Swear to me. <laughs> Hey, Rewatchers! If you haven't already, make sure to follow us on Twitter at The Rewatchers. You can join us every week when we assign the Highlander homework to keep you abreast of our latest upcoming episode and also our Friday flashbacks, in which we highlight some of our favorite previous episodes. Thanks for listening. The next scene is in Suzanne Honiger's office. And she is there with Galen. Rut row, rowdy roddy. Yep. So they've clearly got some sort of scheme going. Why don't just say rowdy roddy lays some piper? Because <laughs> 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 they go at it hot and they heavy. They go at it real Whoa. hot and heavy. Yeah, like this is, once again, hell comes to frock down. Yeah. She yeah. like clears the desk off <laughs> yeah, and like gets on top of it. Throws everything. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of legs. They're doing their own wrestling routine. Mm. So this is all, of course, cut in the U.S. version. Oh, is probably because it? it's a little steamy. Um, although, you know, we, we talk a lot about stuff being cut in the U.S. version. And sometimes it's stuff like this that's like, oh, that's a little like maybe intense for american audiences or like whatever on the afternoon or standards. On saturday yeah but there's there's like a more practical reason that the european episodes are always and that's we're watching it on like hulu and dvd mostly and those are all the european cuts but those are all a little bit longer than the u.s version and this is we're gonna answer some nerd stuff here hey guys uh so they're shot in there's two different like uh signal formats for tv so there's the pal which is what's used in most of the world. And then there's NTSC, I want to say, which is like the National Television Services Committee. PAL version is 30 frames per minute. Per minute, 30 frames a second. And the U.S. version is 25. The British 
cuts actually look nicer. Uh, but anyway, because the frame rate is higher, they actually have to, the episode would be too long to play on American television. So they actually have to cut footage out because they're, they're, they must clearly be shooting this on the PAL format because it's a co-financed show. It's aired all over the world. So these episodes, while still in like England, would still be like 42 minutes long. When they slow that frame rate down for American TV, it now becomes like 45 minutes long. So they've always got to oh, cut three minutes out of every episode. Wow. Interesting, guys. It is. That's why the sex scene is cut. Yeah. <laughs> also, it takes like an odd turn because at some point she's like, like seconds after clearing off her desk, she's like not into it anymore. Right. It's like, I was like, what's it, what is the relationship between these people? Because I was like, is he just like assaulting her? But like she was like, what is going on here? So after this, we're back in the cemetery and Tommy's mother is placing some flowers on the grave and Duncan shows up. I guess she's called him there mm-hmm. to meet. And she reveals that Tommy's will left her everything, which wasn't much. But there was a key to a safety deposit box, and she opened it, and it had $200,000 in cash. Cha-ching. Which she brought with her, it yeah. looks like, to the cemetery. To this man she barely knows. Yeah. He just pushes her over and takes it. <laughs> $200,000, you say? <laughs> Screw being Highlanders. I'm taking this money. <laughs> so she doesn't know what to do with it. Duncan's like, just deposit it in the bank, which also sounds like a bad idea, honestly, because... Because if you make a $200,000 cash deposit at a bank, they are probably calling the police, yes. but maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm thinking... Why I, not I'm just not familiar... leave it in the safety deposit box? Maybe that's what he's implying, yeah. Yeah, because I'm not super familiar with wire fraud rules and things <laughs> like that, but I'm pretty sure they've got, like, reporting requirements when stuff like that happens because of drug dealing and post-9-11 terrorism. That being said... He also says one other thing. He's like, there's nothing wrong with just having it. And right. I always go, well, <laughs> not really true. If you like know something is ill-gotten, like drug money, and you're what? like, let me just have it, though. I'll just take it. Was there a previous episode that dealt with something similar to this where he was like, you can't, like, that's bad money. You can't keep it or, or oh, no. what's the episode? Or, or no, maybe he, he fell on this side as well. Uh, what was the episode with Richie and... Where he goes ham on those people and beats the crap out of the goons? The Sea Witch? Was it? Yeah, it's the because sea witch, that cause... girl also stole a bunch of drug money, and he's right. like, use it to start your life over, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. and he th- as he pours coke down the drains, right? Yep, this poison. The more you know. Back at Honiger's place, they're in the driveway, I guess. Honiger and his daughter, and she's like, "Oh, I forgot something in the house. The like the files. I'll mm-hmm. go get them." And he's like complaining, "Why couldn't Johnson drive us?" Like, yeah. uh, and Johnson's just standing in the driveway, yeah, like watching. And so she Are gets in out the driveway. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I think they're going to the office. I think that's Yeah, they're, they're leaving about. the mansion. So when she gets out, she walks away, and then the car blows up. Galen calls right before on the car right. phone. He's like, how did you get this number? I'm like, what if something went wrong with the bomb? Yeah, and he's just like, say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I feel like in, in a later scene, do we find that the bodyguard is dead? No, he's stays alive. very much alive. Okay, yeah. so he's part of this whole scheme, right? I don't know if he is or not. Maybe because that's why he's not the driver. For that this. could be, or yeah. maybe she just arranged to have him follow behind, and right. he's yeah shocked but still taking orders from her. Gotcha. So Duncan barges into Suzanne's office later, and he's like, oh, "I'm surprised you're still working. Like, you know, like shouldn't you be like grief stricken?" And she's like, "Ah, oh, I'm a tough businesswoman." He's sporting a V-neck sweater with a lot of chest hair poking out there. <laughs> Like any true bed partner. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we find out, I guess, Duncan has uncovered more to this plot. So Tommy wasn't just making $2,000 at the newspaper. Right. He was getting $2,000 from three other companies. So he's making $8,000 maybe a week. It's a lot yeah, of cash. That's still a lot. Of, that is a lot of cash. Yeah. Big money. No whammy. Well, Duncan's asking, like, what were you paying Tommy for? We don't get an answer to that, really. No. I guess she says, like, I guess Duncan's like, you killed... Your father, you killed Tommy, probably, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, over right. something. She says, Rand is your social security, his social security. Yeah. Number. And she just gives up immediately. Yeah. yeah. She's like, well, now that you mention it. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and how does he run the social, like, how does that work? His master hacking. Yep. Back his at it. master yeah. macking. <laughs> uh, so she, she spills the beans, and she's like, I killed my dad because, like, he was healthy, and he was going to live for... 30 years or whatever, and I didn't want to wait that long to take over the company. She just wants that money. Yep. Money, 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 money. Money. So then she sicks Johnson on him, but as Mac turns around, she knocks him out. Yeah, Yeah. she gets a little physical. She takes him downtown. Yeah. (laughs) Later, uh, we're in Suzanne's office with Galen, and I guess they're kind of settling up. Yeah. And he's like, well, now that all this is taken care of, you can pay me my money. 
Two a lot mil- of money. Two, two million, million dollars. dollars. A, lot of, a lot of cheese. That's yeah. an expensive hit. Yep. Yeah. And so I guess she's now going to double cross him. Right. And she shoots him. And he's like. And, and I guess she claims that like, oh, I'll just tell the police you were breaking in to rob me. And it's like, what a weird flimsy thing. And apparently <laughs> in the script, it got like weird and sexual again. Like in the script, she rips her dress. And it was that you were going to rape me. And rob me. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. They are always dealing with the sexual violence in the show. Mm-hmm. So she shoots Roddy and then has a drink, I guess. But uh, then Roddy Gets obviously up. comes back. Yeah. Come uh, so then I assume, like, we cut away when, like, Roddy, like, ambushes her. Like, yeah. I'm assuming he kills her. Oh, definitely. So yeah. that's yeah. the last we see of poor old Suzanne. Yeah. Don't mess with Roddy Roddy like that. Nope. All right. So now, now we get into the meat of this episode. Oh, my God. Boy. Let's play this clip. <laughs> Everybody buckle up. <laughs> because in this if you've listened to our season one episodes, and if you haven't, come on, go back. iTunes, Stitcher, we're now on Google Play. Take a listen to the season one collection. We talk about the mumblefests that exist, these weird yeah. noir mumblefests. And so we are treated to this amazing montage and just fucking weirdness. Buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> like the stroke of a sword, one second is life. Next second is gone. I don't want him to die. That fight isn't their fight. I should have stopped it. We have to be careful. Human life is too fragile. Tommy, Bess, all of them, life is so fragile. Bess, no matter what you do, death comes when it's ready. On its own time, not yours. Comes when it's ready. You can't keep them forever. I don't believe in my father, Mr. Lennigan. Why didn't you say goodbye? Galen killed Tommy, but why killed him? Her fight isn't his fight. If there is any chance this wasn't an accident, why killed Tommy? Galen knows. Something is missing. But it's in, like, darkness. It's like the same thing. Suzanne and Tommy. Tommy dies. His name turns up in the He says every character's name in this episode in this aspect like 70 times. It's still going. It was death. It's it like another minute. Two thousand yeah. dollars a week for the whole Tommy's. No tax evasion charges for little old Tommy. This comes in this other time. Forget about the band and kid. All right. Tommy doing there? Tommy and Kate. We still want more of this. Oh, it's, uh, it's got 40 seconds to go. We're done. So, so long. This is insane. It is insane. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense. He's like, then Honiger dies. What's the connection? Tommy's working for Honiger. What was he doing there? Galen was death. Maybe Tommy was death too. It's like, it's like <laughs> what are you talking about? Ugh, it doesn't make any sense. So is this supposed to be him solving the mystery? I think so. And also we find out because as we exit this montage... We then cut to Duncan hanging from Tommy's window. Right. I guess uh, the bodyguard Johnson is going to drop him, uh, like a little revenge thing. But like yep. Duncan is waking up from being unconscious, so like no wonder this is a bunch of gobbledygook. Like yeah. he's been unconscious this whole time, and this is the sh- weird shit floating around in his head. Yeah, my notes just say like this is just like Dark Knight Rises, where Batman solves the crime with a fever dream. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, aha. <laughs> Liam Neeson appears to him. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a special set of skills. What? So this Taken. is this is all Took this it. weird noir stuff. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't give us any info. Nope. It is dumb. Thank you, John Philip Sousa Taylor, whatever his name was. John. John <laughs> Philip Sousa. Philip John Taylor. Philip Taylor John Thomas. Taylor. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he did a lot of this in the first season, too. We got these mumble fests. It's bad. So the bodyguard does drop yeah, he does drop him off a building. So he has that pleasure to wake up from. <laughs> Splat. Hey, is it nineteen ninety-three and you need an excellent new glassware set with pewter inlay? Then you need the handcrafted molded pewter 10th anniversary emblem embellished glassware. There can be only one Highlander 10th anniversary. Correct. Don't miss miss this opportunity to celebrate the Highlander legend with your family and friends by displaying this classic collection. 
I love that it's there can be only one anniversary. Yes. Because <laughs> there can be infinite anniversaries. Yeah. But I guess there can be only one tenth, tenth anniversary. anniversary. This is true. Hey, there can be only one thirtieth anniversary plus however many days it's been. <laughs> so what kind of cups can we expect here? Ooh, what kind the, of glassware? The double old fashioned glass, the coffee mug, the connoisseur gourmet coffee mug. Ooh. Ooh. Fancy. <laughs> the in quotes Scottish coffee. What's that? <laughs> I don't know. It's not even a mug. It just says Scottish coffee. Is Scottish coffee when you like put booze in it? I thought that was Irish coffee. That's what I thought That's too. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> the red wine goblets. Red, don't put red white. Can we put white? Yeah. No. Absolutely not. It I'm fine. I'm fine with that. that. And last but not least, the 17 ounce brandy snifter. Ooh. That could be yours for only $15. Oh, 15? Not yeah. bad. How, what's the most expensive glass on here? Guess. Uh, $49. No, they're actually all more reasonably priced. Nice. How they're much all cheaper than a screensaver? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How much is the Super Gourmet Deluxe yeah. coffee mug? $18. It's not bad. Oddly enough, the most expensive thing. Oh, look at this. There's some hiding on the left-hand side. There's also there's a white wine goblet. Oh, those are separate. A Pilsner glass, a collector's beer mug, and a collector's sport mug. Ooh. That's not bad. So that that uh, that one that's $18, that would only be $27 in 2016 money. Hmm. That's still not that bad. Yeah. These, are not, these are actually nice glasses. I always wish I bought them when I was a kid. Can we still get them? eBay? Ooh, I bet you can. Ooh. Hey, any listeners out there want to send us some free glasses? <laughs> <laughs> We'd love them. Uh, so then we cut to the amusement park, and yeah. uh, so Mac and Richie's Richie are there. Richie's back. Yeah, in this He's episode, where maybe, was he? Yeah. I don't know. Most of this episode, he does absolutely. He get he eats breakfast with Mac. He asks the newspaper guys some questions, and then he goes to the amusement park. What a fun day out for Richie! Yeah, like, that's just like a kind of fun day out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I get to see a printing press and <laughs> see where they used to make corn dogs <laughs> before they abandoned it. <laughs> I can't believe I'm at the circus. <laughs> so Max like pacing around. Well, he's uh, doing like an Agatha Christie, like recreating yes. the murder scene situation. Just like Richie, wait, you stand here. <laughs> uh, so he's trying to piece this like the puzzle together, and then yeah. he's like, "Oh, the tracks!" Like, and he goes over and sees the briefcase. Yeah, and inside of it is a nine millimeter. Right. So this is where, like, yeah, Tommy's a, a hitman or something. So yeah, this is like, the clue that puts it all together. It's like, why did he have a gun? Like, you would think there would be so something so much more important. In this briefcase, like, yeah. why is the gun in the briefcase? Why isn't it on Tommy? Like, uh, uh, this episode. So it turns out that I guess Duncan realizes that Tommy was hired by Mr. Honiger to find out who was going to kill him and stop him. So Tommy has found out that it must be Galen. And so Tommy is at the amusement park to get Galen. Duncan determined earlier in the episode that it's like it was a completely chance meeting that I met galen we weren't supposed to meet he wasn't ready for me i wasn't ready for him so like what is galen doing at the amusement park and why does tommy show up to like assassinate him there i think it's a cat and mouse thing that's it i think so i think this is just where they were chasing each other set upon each other or like galen's going by doesn't know tommy's following him stops because he gets the buzz i didn't get any reason to think that galen particularly wanted to be at this amusement park but he got the buzz so he encounters mac and he stops fighting him because he realizes Tommy's behind him. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, there he is. You. But, but why did Galen come to the amusement park? He wasn't specifically going to the amusement park. He just got the buzz there. So he was going. walking by the amusement park? Sure, why not? I don't, I don't know. know. It's like, the- <laughs> why's anyone got to be anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Tommy and Galen had. Th- the answer to this question is there is no answer. It's just yeah. bad writing. I mean, that's the answer. <laughs> yeah, Do you guys there's... want to listen to the montage again? Maybe there's a clue? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> We have to hang upside down first, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's so we can have the same insights. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if all the blood rushes to your head, you'll probably yeah. figure this out. Right. Yeah, so the, the mystery solved, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Which is that sort Tommy's of. a bad guy, kind of. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of, maybe. Like, he's got a gun. Like, he's not calling the cops on him. Right. Right. I mean, maybe not a bad guy. I mean, he's hired to kill another bad guy. It's probably, they're all bad guys. I don't know. I don't trust, I don't like any of these people in this episode. No one is likable in this entire episode. The righteous hitman out there? (laughs) Yeah. No, this guy's a good hitman. (laughs) So we get this fight. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. 
Yeah. Until the strobe light thing happens. Yeah. So they're fighting in the amusement park, and eventually they go to a, a haunted house with sort a of strobe thing. light. Like, or like a hall of mirrors or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's I some sort of like little house, ride thing. But there, there are like spooky like diversions and stuff that pop up, and there's like <laughs> a cart that goes through. Spooky. At one point, if Roddy puts him like in a chokehold, and Duncan bites his hand, yeah. which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. I just found this so hard to focus on it just becomes like all i could think was the simpsons fighting seizure robots like oh, yeah. <laughs> as like you just see the strobe fight it also it literally does make everything look slow right, they're right. moving fast throughout the rest of the fight and now all of a sudden everything's you get to see like one frame per second of their movements yeah and then the other thing that kills me is it just made it look like free fall oh yeah yeah where they have like the black and white fight on the mm. beach with joan jet right and i was like oh bad memory yeah <laughs> bad sense memories this person was watching like some david lynch or something and was like that's cool and it's like but he knows how to do it the quickening though i love this quickening i'm so into this they emerge <laughs> out of it onto the circle swing which yeah. is in the credits at some point yeah maybe not yeah. Yeah. yeah mac wins and then all the rides light up for the quickening yeah this kind of reminds me of the movie like when the quickening like activates the cars like it kind of interacts with the environment around right it. see all the rides light up which i think is pretty cool and duncan yells come come, come. <laughs> <laughs> my notes just says come come <laughs> death it comes when it's ready how did you spell come in your notes c-u-m c-u-m <laughs> so did i <laughs> i spelled it the normal way <laughs> So he blows up this carousel, right. and it's yep. cool. Yeah, I think this is a great is. quickening. Yeah, yeah. Like the, it's a good one. The production value's there. Mm -hmm. And so the denouement of this episode is, on a park bench, Duncan's reading a newspaper article that says, Father-Daughter Murder Pact, or whatever. Yeah. We find out he's talking to Tommy's mom, and she's like, this is the story he was working on the whole time. And so Duncan has like forged the story, submitted it under Tommy's name. And it's like, oh, he he got that byline he always wanted, like, because that was, I guess, some crock of shit. This is insane. He fed this is his mother. Insane. <laughs> yeah. So, what is the actual story? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Like, it, what's the headline again? It says father daughter murder pact. So, so they like, murder each other. Yeah. yeah. But one exploded. And, yeah. <laughs> he died before either of them died. So, yeah. how did he write this thing? Know about a pact? <laughs> it doesn't. Maybe make the story any is about sense. Galen being like a. Uh, like a double, like a double cross both of them. But then what, like, I don't know. It, it, I don't <laughs> like the know. timeline makes no know. sense. It's just, it's so confusing. We do later find out though, in a future episode that Duncan was at one point a newspaper man and can write an article. Right. <laughs> like, okay. Neat. Yeah. I like that that scene gives this, this scene a lot of richness and backstory. <laughs> the, and the, the universe to, building. The ability to write written words. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But, you know, Mac basically lies to Tommy's mom about Tommy's role in all this. So does this also mean that Tommy really did work for the paper? Because how does Duncan submit the article under Tommy's name without what? someone going like, who the fuck is this? Like, yeah. So at some point he must have, did he, do we think he really worked there in some capacity? Or maybe just collects a check from them, like he's on and their so they, I don't know. Whoever the editor was was also, like, "I've never read one of your articles, but uh, I'll put I'll it on the this. front page. Yep. Front page news. Yeah. <laughs> Mommy Bannon is taking the money. She's going to go back to the Highlands. She makes Duncan promise to visit. So that's a future episode, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, and that's it. Yeah, it's over. Let's talk about this episode. I've got one. Go big for question. it. What's Tommy's epitaph? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the the article? the article. I think it's the article that like that's his failed hitman Tommy fails to. <laughs> yeah, this is a bummer all around. So Richie doesn't need to be in this episode, right? Nope. He does nothing. Mm -mm. He should do more. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah obviously, he bizarrely leaves. Like when he goes to fight Rowdy Roddy, isn't Richie there? He's just like, I'm, I'm gonna go. Well, he's oh, like, yeah. oh no, he's like, you know the rules, no one on one, Richie, and then, oh, and Richie then he just, just leaves, yeah, and he just goes, yeah, and he just never comes back. That's like, right. I think he'd be like on, but like maybe he could wait, and if Mac loses, Richie could chop off Galen's head. Yeah, I don't know. No, he just. He just Please. disappears. Yeah. Come on. Yep. <laughs> I forgot about that. Maybe wait and see what happens to your friend. Ooh, yeah. He's on the carousel. He's on the swinging swing. <laughs> he's on the swing. <laughs> he wants <laughs> Mac to activate the ride. So does Galen need to be immortal in this episode? 
Not really. No, the only but... time it comes into play is when he gets shot by Suzanne and like comes back. He doesn't need to be immortal, but the best thing about this episode are the fights between Galen and like, Mac. Roddy Piper does a great, I think a really good, like he's threatening. I think he's. He's great. He's wasted. Yeah, like, totally. This episode waste. should have just been about him. Yep. For a second, I thought it just meant he was drunk, because I yeah. also would believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he was both. He was yeah. both wasted and wasted. But, like, obviously he's a good physical actor, because that's, like, his jo- his day job. Yeah. Is being yeah. a wrestler. No, he, he, I thought he was great. I'm, like, disappointed that he wasn't a more major villain. Yeah. Yeah, he was, like, really just wasn't in it that much. Yeah. yeah. He, like, very quickly comes and goes throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bummer. But it was a great cold open. Yeah. Two of them going out on a roller there's coaster. A, there's a lot of yeah. pretty good stuff in this episode. Like, yeah. the quickening's great. The sword fights are great. The cold open is great. Eggs Duncan makes Richie. Like, yeah, those are great eggs. Yeah. Uh, those eggs, man. Well, what do you do with all that tossed salad and scrambled eggs? <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah. Mac probably knows. Probably. That's probably something you he learned. Does. But Mac does know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the connection between the flashback with Bess and the modern day plot? Uh, good question because in the the flashback the whole thing is about like i guess it's supposed to be that duncan feels responsible for this person's death like and it's indirect in both circumstances i suppose or slightly less indirect in the flashback like he sleeps with this woman the fiance gets mad and accidentally kills her as a result and in the beginning of this episode before this plot gets uncovered he thinks that him and galen had this kind of chance meeting at an amusement park and because of that, Tommy ended up getting run over because Galen was fleeing. Okay. So I think that's the, like, he feels connected that he has inadvertently caused people's death. Okay. So he's feeling personally responsible. That for, would have been an interesting way for this, like, if the episode had to do with, like, Mac forgiving himself, mm-hmm. that might be interesting. Like, if he carried around a lot of guilt for Bess's death, and it's like, you know what, it's not really your fault. Like, you can let it go. That one, I feel like, was kind of his fault. Because Bess is like, don't do this. And he's like, tell him. And well, I think I, I get the impression, get the impression in the flashback that Mac does not want to fight him. Like, again, Mac's kind of just tripping around like, like yeah. he's not actively fighting this guy. Yeah, like, but if he he's just, defending himself, though. Yeah. But if he had handled the situation differently, she would still be alive. Probably. It's a, it's a little spotty. Yeah, I do think he's to blame for that one. Yeah. I'll, I'll go on and let him say it. But yeah, thematically, if he carried some guilt for this and then it was like if this episode was about like him blaming himself for Tommy, but then realizing that it's like, you know what? It wasn't my fault. It was galen's fault really right. or, or tommy's own fault honestly yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. that's a good point so the watcher chronicles for this episode anthony galen he was born anthony morgan in 1813 in harrisburg pennsylvania hey that's what? not too far what actually it's a little far i mean it wow. is kind of far yeah. but it is the capital of our great state of or excuse me commonwealth of pennsylvania that's right mm. so he uh, died for the first time in 1855 in a drunken brawl and his teacher was harry hogan i wonder if the hogan is a reference to wrestling hulk the hulkster or his heroes hogan's heroes (laughs) so again here's a fantastic watcher entry anthony galen never met a woman or a dollar bill he didn't want (laughs) born with no conscience back in 1813 (laughs) born with no conscience (laughs) galen was a real sob even before he became immortal (laughs) can you read the rest of this as macho man randy savage he was always looking for a good fight on a roller in the sack and if one or the other came... Is this right? Yeah, you're pretty close. Also, in the sack? In the sack. And if one one or the other came with a paycheck, so much the better. Brother. Ooh, yeah. Being immortal didn't change his lifestyle much. It just meant he got to rob, cheat, and kill whatever else his clients required for eternity. And the part about not being able to die was a handy bonus for a guy who spent lots of time dodging the police with their bullets. <laughs> with the bullets. In the end, though, he picked a fight with he couldn't win with Duncan McLeod. Bonesaw is ready. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's a, that's a, not a bad Macho Man Randy Savage. That's good job, good. Keith. That wasn't Keith. <laughs> that was that was that was the that macho. Was macho Man. He came down from heaven to <laughs> he came down from heaven <laughs> <laughs> to, to read that little bit. <laughs> They uh, say Duncan McLeod has the largest biceps in the world. 
but these uh, aren't chopped liver. <laughs> also, we find out in uh, Rich, Richie has new um, Immortal Chronicles in the Watcher Chronicles. Ooh, uh, I'm not going to read his chronicle just because, like, before it was always categorized as Mortal Richie Ryan, Ooh. and then it's like for dates past this, check out the uh, these other listings or whatever. That's uh, cool. But it's the thing that's kind of funny is he has a different Watcher than Mac does. What? But I guess that makes it, at some point. Richie kind of leaves and does his own thing. So maybe Spoilers. that's... He's got his own path. Yeah, he's yeah. got his own path. Uh, so maybe that's kind of what they're talking about. Mortals will give you a Mac attack. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. So what uh, lessons have we learned this week from the Mac? So I learned from this episode that Mac could be a good stand-in for Batman if he ever needs a break because he's good at hanging perps out of windows and exploring abandoned amusement parks and solving crimes that's right i learned that it's most important to lie to mommy bannon about the activities of tommy bannon <laughs> we should do this more often so i'm a little curious about what else the quickening can affect we know it can light up an entire amusement park what mm-hmm. are what do we think the the limits on the quickening's power to affect the surroundings are well in the movie we've seen it turn on fire hoses Mm-hmm. Just it fully engorged, <laughs> fully engorged fire fully engorged. Uh We've had, uh, I guess, the oil from a car leak, leak out or splooge out. So yeah, does it cause the leak, or does it just like force a lot of activity that causes mm. it to erupt? Although that's uh, in the movie, so different than the show. If we want to keep these things a little separate, hmm. hmm. We know it can blow up glass, blow up glass. No. In a later episode, we'll see it have some effects on paint cans. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Sorry. Do you? I did. Okay. Well, yeah. Tell us. Write us at HighlanderRewatched at gmail dot com or comment on Facebook. I like the idea that it can turn on anything electric. That makes a lot of sense. And I like that it can damage electric things too. Yeah, like cell phones or computers. Computers, thus preventing evidence from getting out. Yep, brother. Yeah. So tell us what you think on our Facebook page or write us an email on what does the quickening affect. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, next week. We're going to be tackling the episode, The Fighter. I'm excited for this one. Um, I've been one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. I'm Kyle. This is Eamon. This is Bonza. <laughs> and I'm ready. <laughs> Why isn't this episode called Epitaph for Ned? <laughs>